It was a weekend of some really high highs and some really frustrating lows for the Hoosiers. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, welcome into another episode of Locked On Hoosiers. I am your host, as always, Jacob Rude. want to thank you guys for making us your first listen every single day or your first watch every single day as well. We're live after the IU-Iowa game that left a lot to be talked about. We certainly have some stuff to dive into on that one. Unfortunately, the Hoosiers fall 86-85 on... A buzzer beater from Caitlin Clark, which, look, there's some frustrating aspects about how this game was covered that I'm going to touch on in a second, but at the end of the day, an incredible shot from Clark. You tip your cap, you say good game, that's not a bad loss, that's a good Iowa team, Clark is still an incredible player, and you head home and look at the Big Ten title that is in your trophy case and not in Iowa's because this didn't change anything. I used still the outright Big Ten champions, and Iowa is not. But what a game. It was a, It's an instant classic. It's the best, I would imagine, your best women's basketball game of the season in college. So nothing to be ashamed of on IU's part. A lot to be frustrated about, but nothing to be ashamed of. I do want to start, look, ESPN's broadcast of this game was egregiously bad, and it isn't going to get any better after that shot. Um, the degree to which they discuss Caitlin Clark is something we have discussed on this podcast. I hate to keep bringing it up, but this was some of the worst ever. I, they did not cover the fact that IU was the outright Big Ten champions until the second half. They did not discuss that Mackenzie Holmes was playing at a phenomenal level until there was 90 seconds left in the third quarter. There is a very real uh, race between for Big Ten Player of the Year. There was maybe until that final shot. But um, she – the way – ESPN covered this was not like equal in any regard. They did not portray it as still being a race for the Big Ten Player of the Year. I think one of the most egregious things they did was just sticking Caitlin Clark's stat line, gluing it to the top of the score bug. Uh, no, that is gross. Uh, I don't want to focus too much on that. I want to talk about the game because it was incredible, but. ESPN just absolutely awful job covering this. It was a it was a great showcase for women's basketball on the court. They were awful about it and how they covered it. That was the Caitlin Clark show. And we've discussed Caitlin Clark is a phenomenal player. A lot of the disdain towards her is because of how she's covered. It's not in her control, uh, but ESPN did a phenomenally awful job of doing that today. Let's talk about the game. The biggest thing that stuck out to me is the re- resiliency um, from Indiana in this one because Iowa made a number of big runs. They started out the game flying out of the gate. I was concerned that uh, they 
that IU might get boat raced in this one. Uh, I think it was like a 10-0 run, 13-0 run for Iowa at the beginning. IU didn't just answer with a run. They took the lead on a number of occasions. They continually responded. They were fighting back all day long. They played from behind for a good chunk of this game, which is not common for IU. They trailed for 35 minutes of this game. So IU was playing from behind, but ultimately, I mean, they were in a position to win the game at the very end. They were winning the game at the very end. So just the resiliency this team has time and time again, it wasn't anything we doubted. We knew that they had it, but I mean, this was the toughest test of it. Uh, We mentioned that IU didn't really, this was kind of a free hit for IU. There wasn't the pressure that there could have been on this game had uh, had the Big Ten title kind of been on the line. And maybe that would have changed the mindset, but it, IU didn't come out any less focused, any less prepared. And that's not a surprise, not for a Terry Morin team. So it was just another display of how impressive IU's resiliency is. That's the type of stuff that's going to matter when you get deep into a tournament run not feeling like you're ever out of the game, knowing that you can make a run. IU did that time and time again in the toughest atmosphere that they played in all season long. It's not going to get any tougher than that the rest of the way. Against the best player they're probably going to play all season long until they get to a South Carolina maybe, something like that, So or an LSU. So uh, in, impressive performance from the Hoosiers. There were big baskets from a lot of people throughout the game. Um, Chloe Moore McNeil had a couple big threes at one point, I believe in the third quarter before she got into foul trouble uh, that were important. Sydney Parrish was huge in the fourth quarter on both ends of the court. She made a couple baskets at the rim. She also, on that uh, penultimate possession from Iowa, she was the one that rotated over to force uh, Sonano into a more difficult shot that she missed. Uh, Grace Berger is Grace Berger. Mackenzie Holmes does what Mackenzie Holmes does. 21 points on 8 of 10 shooting, 6 rebounds. Uh, I did see a couple people mention this, and Alan said it in the comments. Holmes should have missed her second free throw. They did get a timeout. It would just be a touch and shoot shot game over. Uh, Ish. Um, I don't know if you saw the game clock at the final play, but it didn't really move until couple tenths of seconds had passed, so I don't think a lot of time would have uh, advanced. I also don't think you they still would have gotten to advance the ball to midcourt, and then you're only one point ahead instead of two, and a two-pointer can beat you. Any shot beats you at that point. Holmes making the second free throw meant only a three could beat you, and ultimately it did. It wouldn't have mattered with the end result, but uh, that was the right call. If there was .8 seconds left now, maybe... That's what originally it was before they went to the monitor. I probably could have understood a better argument there because then you're losing a couple tenths of a second and you're down to 0.5, 0.6, something like that, trying to get a shot up, and it's even more difficult. So maybe there, but at 1.5, you got to make the shot. But a number of players stepped up, as they always do. Yarden Garzon only had seven points on one of six shooting, 14 rebounds. She was incredible on the boards in this one. Uh, so she stepped up in a big way, even if it wasn't on the score line. It was just, it, it's that type of game where that's still a really good Iowa team. Like I think a 
a lot of frustrations about I from IU fans about how this game is covered is very valid, and we talked about it. I don't want it to overshadow the fact that this is still a very good Iowa team, the second best team in the Big Ten. Don't forget that, but still a very good Iowa team that I think it's again, it's not a bad thing to lose. That's still a top five, top ten team in the country on the road, and you lose to there's. The, the list of people that can make the shot Caitlin Clark just did is small. You can count the number of players on one hand. So losing that game is frustrating. Look, use it as motivation for the next week. Head into the Big Ten tournament angry and use that as motivation. You're heading into the postseason now with your second loss of the year. Um, that Use that. Use that as motivation. There are worse ways to head into the postseason. So IU will learn from that. I am absolutely certain of it. Let's talk about the highs from the weekend because my, oh my, Jalen hood Shafino, take a bow. There's a ton to talk about when it comes to his performance on Saturday against Purdue. We'll dive into all of that in just a minute. But if you guys are looking for a delicious treat, be sure to check out Built Bar. I was at Sam's Club this weekend. I walked by there. Are still Built Bars there. That is the best new thing about Sam's Club, or excuse me, about Built Bars that they're available at Sam's Club. They no longer do you have to wait for your online order to come through on Built.com. You can head to Sam's Club. You can head to Walmart. You can pick them up in store. Uh, make it a lot more convenient for you. A lot of you guys are going to Walmart and Sam's Club anyway. Uh, so stop by while you're there. Pick up some built Bars. They are terrific. They're healthy but tasty. You guys know the deal with built Bars. All the amazing flavors covered in 100% real chocolate. Order them today and thank me later. Big thanks to you guys for making us your first listen every single day. Make sure you guys check out Locked On College Basketball every day as well. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. You can guarantee there's going to be IU Purdue talk on Monday's episode. Plus hear from the big names, big name experts, insiders, coaches, players, everybody. Uh, Locked On College Basketball available on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Jalen hood Shafino, man, if, if Sunday was frustrating, Saturday was nothing but elation because I, I still, it's been 20 hours, something like that. And I'm still at a loss for words for what Jalen hood Shafino did against Purdue, a remarkable performance, an all time performance, not just for like a freshman at IU. He was a point away from the all time freshman scoring record. Just like an all-time performance, full stop. Not just in an IU-Purdue game, not just in a regular season game, a conference game, just full stop. One of the best performances we've seen a Hoosier have to go into Mackey, a top-five Purdue team, and dominate the game, control the game from start to finish. At no point did he waver. At no point was he slowed down. And... He leads Indiana to a victory in their best win in I was trying to think when the last time IU had a win this big. 
and taking context into the situation. They Archie won some like random one-off games against like Michigan State and whatnot, but he would follow them up with like five losses in a row. And it was just kind of like these one-off things that meant nothing. If you kind of take context into everything and what this means for Indiana moving forward, like I'm thinking like, I mean, again, it's probably back to 2016, like that type of team. And even then you're talking like the win against Kentucky in the tournament. Like it's been a long time. I think since I had a win this big, that speaks volumes about where the Hoosiers are going. This is two teams with IU and Purdue that are on quite different trajectories right now. Purdue is definitely downward. They beat up on everybody through the first couple months of the season, but have now lost four of their last six, two of those to IU, while the Hoosiers, since middle of January, are flying. They've won 10 of their last 13 as good as anybody in the conference over those last 13 games, maybe the best team in the conference in those last 13 games. And now they're heading home for a pair of games in assembly hall to finish this all out. And it all, be, it all comes from Jalen hood, Shafino and what this team did in the second half. Jalen hood, Shafino deserves so much credit and we could talk on and on and on about that performance, what it means for him what it means for the team. We just kind of talked about how big of a win this is. IU is trending upward. I this If you have two guys like Trace and Jalen that can lead you to a victory on any night, you're a threat in the, in the tournament. So all of that we know. You could talk about what it means for the program going forward. He's one and done, guys. He put... He, he is not sticking around after this season. But uh, Christian Watford tweeted this. A lot of people have said this. That's not bad for the program. That makes IU look like a place that can churn out NBA prospects. And that's how you get more and more talented recruits. So that's not a bad thing. But what the, what the Hoosiers did was a team effort in that second half. There's a number of different guys you can point out. Trey Galloway, this whole game was incredible. 13 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, playing stellar defense throughout. Uh, he was phenomenal for the Hoosiers. He played 38 minutes. Jalen Hood Shafino played 40. Uh, those two were absolutely incredible together. You can look at uh, Miller Cop. He was also really good. He had 13 points as well. You can look at the team defensively and especially watch toward the uh, kind of the last two, three minutes where IU could sense they were one or two stops away from this being done. They The way they lock in defensively is incredible. And that's what gives me a, like as much hope as anything about this team is that they can defend at a high level when they need to. You hope that sense of urgency is going to be there in the coming weeks and especially in the tournament, but they can lock anybody up when they when it absolutely comes down to it. Can they do it over 40 minutes? It's I mean, that's kind of been come and go. That's been the issue for IU all year is inconsistency. But if you need them to shut a team down for five minutes, eight minutes, whatever it is, I think back to that Michigan game where Michigan did nothing for the last five, six, seven minutes of the game. If you if that's what you need, IU can do that. So the defense in the second half, 
locked up the players they needed to. We'll talk about Zach Eady and how they defended him differently in the second half. But the other big thing I came away from this game impressed by, IU obviously winning this game without Trace was an incredible testament to how far they come because they don't do that even recently. Think back to the Minnesota game. Think back to the uh, whatever game it may be, the Michigan game, that if Trace isn't having an otherworldly performance, IU's not winning these games. Now, Jalen had the otherworldly performance, but IU winning a game in which Trace only had 10 points, if you'd have told me on Friday that Trace would have 10 points in this game, I would have said IU would have lost by double digits. They won comfortably. They probably should have won by double digits if not for Purdue throwing in some threes at the end of the game. But it was Trace's mindset throughout this game. He had a quote afterwards, uh, quote, Coach Woody was trying to give me baskets, and I told him, Coach, not right now. We're hi- we're riding him right now, being Jalen. When a guy's hot like that, you got to keep giving him the ball. How many people would have that mindset? That they don't need to press the issue. Somebody else is doing just fine. Let him ride. I can play second fiddle to him. Especially someone like Trace Jackson Davis, who we've spent time and time again on this show talking about how absolutely incredible he's been. How many players of that talent level would say, no, I don't need the basketball right now. Let him have it. I don't need to try to get mine. Let him do it. And not just let him do it. Let me help him do it. He still had seven assists. He still had eight rebounds. He was still setting up Jalen in the pick and roll. He was still rolling hard to the rim. And he was happily doing that on the night. That's not a mindset a lot of players have, especially players at Trace's level. So it wasn't a banner night for him. He still did everything he could. He got into foul trouble. Everybody who played Anything close to a four for the Hoosiers was in foul trouble. Trace, Malik, Race, Miller all had four fouls in this one. Uh, Caleb Banks was the only one who didn't have four fouls and played as a forward, but that's because he played one minute. So everybody was in foul trouble, but everybody navigated it well. Trace, um, he's not going to have many more performances like this the rest of the way, but just the mindset he continues to bring to this um, to this team, to each game, to this program, is something that's going to last a while. That's that's another type of legacy he's going to leave on this team. We talked on Friday about three keys to winning the game against Purdue: how they defended Edie, how Purdue they defended Purdue's guards, and other people stepping up for the Hoosiers. I want to revisit those and talk about each one of those because all of them went in IU's favor. It's not a surprise in that regard that they won the game. So we'll do that here in just a moment. The biggest thing when it comes to Purdue, obviously, is what you're going to do against Zach Eady. And I will say in the first half, what IU did against Zach Eady is watch him tear them alive. Uh, They tried to do some more one-on-one trace defending him, maybe have some guys dig down, but they were were content letting trace kind of handle him. Some of this was Purdue putting Edie in positions where it was harder to double, but IU wasn't doubling. They were maybe digging down, but they were content with Trace trying to go one-on-one with him, and Edie torched him. Edie was having a field day, and it's simply Trace is not big enough. Trace is a 6'8", 6'9", forward, uh, 
playing as a center that can overpower a lot of guys, but Edie is certainly not that guy. What was very noticeable in the second half is that IU said, all right, fine, Edie is not going to be the one that beats us anymore. We're doubling, we're helping, and we're forcing Purdue to hit shots from three. Edie was far less effective in the second half, and the Hoosiers were far more effective because Purdue could not hit the broadside of a barn from the three-point line. They go five of 23 in this game. Two of those were, again, in complete garbage time when the game was done and dusted. Uh, before that, they were there was nothing that they could do in this one. So IU made an adjustment, especially an adjustment from the first game and saying we're doubling him. He's not going to uh, be the one that beats us in this game. If you think back to the game in Bloomington, he was absolutely the one that was going to beat them. In the second half, IU said that's not happening anymore. We're taking uh, we're taking him out of the game. We're doing our best to. And Purdue had no response. They could not knock down threes at a consistent enough rate to punish IU. So the way they handled that, I thought, was really, really good. You look at Purdue's guards. That was the other thing. In the matchup in Bloomington, Purdue's guards struggled. Fletcher Loyal, Braden Smith. Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, neither of them shot particularly well. In the Bloomington game, look to the game on Saturday. They were combined 6 of 23. They had five turnovers. So they had nearly as many turnovers as they did field goals. They finished with 20 combined points uh, with six of those coming at the free throw line. They had, uh, Lawyer had two of the five threes that, Purdue made so ultimately you take that like that is what IU needed to force those guards into doing was struggling overall and they could not a number of them could not make the big shots that they needed to punish IU it was a lot of the guards it was Smith Lawyer Gillis Newman Kaufman Wren a lot of those guys were the ones that were given, or excuse me, Jenkins, that were given the uh, three-pointers and the open looks, and Morton as well, and they could not make IU pay. So is this a type of strategy that is sustainable kind of long-term? No, I don't think that IU would go into the next game and say, we're going to double Edie and dare Purdue to beat us from the three-point line. But I think that's a a great in-game adjustment from Mike Woodson. There's Look, I I was thinking back to that mid-January run when it felt like the wheels were falling off for IU and the amount of people who were upset about Mike Woodson. And you think about that and then flash forward to Saturday where you see how he continually helped put Jalen into situations where he's getting open mid-range looks, where you look at him adjust to how they defend Zach Eady and the Purdue guards at halftime. Mike Woodson's a, a really damn good coach. You look at the fact that he's three and one against Purdue. There were overreactions at the time. I think a lot of us said that they were overreactions and they were silly ones, but it's games like Saturdays where Mike Woodson is a damn good coach. This team fully buys into him and what he is trying to help this program become. And, 
IU is really lucky to have him. He he has been absolutely incredible. Exactly what IU needed these last two years after the malaise of the Archie era. What Mike Woodson has kind of brought to this program is everything that they needed the next coach to bring. The last thing was production from everyone else for the Hoosiers, which we t- we touched on that already, but obviously Trace and Jalen, we knew we're going, or we assumed we're going to play at a high level coming into this. I mean, if you told me those two got to combine 45 points, I would have been fine with it. I probably would have expected a little more even split than 35 and 10, but it was, it's a lot of times with Indiana, who else steps up? If you think back to that Michigan State game, there was nobody else that stepped up. If you think back to a lot of the losses, uh, and even that Michigan win, there was nobody else that stepped up. And so on Saturday, we mentioned a number of guys step up. Trey Miller, Race Thompson played well, I thought, uh, in some limited minutes. Malik, I mean, his stats never really bear out how well I think he's played. Uh, he seems to have one of the um, unluckiest whistles <laughs> in the Big Ten right now. And so it's a uh, it's frustrating for him, but I think he's adjusted well to playing in the conference. And I think, I mean, long term, it's fine for his projection. I thought he played fine on uh, Thursday or Saturday. I hope that ankle injury isn't anything serious. I don't know if he... Came back into the game, but he seemed fine in the videos kind of celebrating afterwards and whatnot. So hopefully that ankle injury isn't anything serious. But IU got the production from everyone else. There's still some concerns you can raise. Jordan Geronimo played four minutes. Tamar Bates played 11. Hopefully IU playing the final two games at home helps them get into the groove a little bit more. And figure themselves out, figure out what is going on. But ultimately uh, the Hoosiers pick up a win, a win that was really important for them. We talked about the race for the double bye. Uh It is fully on. It is a three-way tie at 11 and seven for the second best record in the big 10 right now. Tiebreakers have IU in third, but it is well and truly on. If the Hoosiers can win out their last two games. Uh, I think if my math is right, they will guarantee a buy, but uh, they got to win out. <laughs> Celebrate the Purdue game, but you have two more important games coming up. So went out on those, and let's head into the Big Ten tournament with a double buy. Big thanks to all of you guys for making us your uh, first listen every single day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. To talk a little bit, we'll have the updated polls. We'll kind of recap a little bit more this crazy weekend. Maybe talk a little bit more about the women's team once we've had some time to digest everything that went on on Sunday. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, subscribe to the podcast, all that great stuff. Leave a quick rating and review if you guys can. I appreciate the kind words in the comment section as well. You guys rock. Um, We'll be back later this week. I hope everybody has a great start to their week. And as always, LEO.